Hi, and welcome back to Reflect Forward. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins. I hope you're having a great day today. Today, my guest is Justin Skinner, and Justin Skinner is a professional failure. What is a professional failure? Well, it's a person who has learned so much from his failures and figured out how to create success. So in this interview, Justin and I talk about why failure can be so good for you. He talks about how to navigate failure. He shares a story of how he thought he was going to get drafted into Major League Baseball and he didn't and how it was devastating for him and how he bounced back, built a successful real estate company with his wife and now wrote a book talking about how to navigate it, how to face failure, how to overcome it, and why you should view failure as a gift. Uh, Justin also has a podcast called The Professional Failure Podcast, where he and his guests share stories and lessons learned about past failures. And he is just a, a super fun guy, down to earth, humble, and I know you're going to love this interview. So hang tight and I'll be right back with Justin. All right, everyone. I am back with Justin Skinner. Justin, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Carrie. It's a pleasure to be here. All right, Justin. Uh, you call yourself a professional failure. Tell us why you are a professional failure. Yeah, and it's kind of funny too because uh, my my mom, whenever I was uh, kind of pitching her the the title of the book, I said, "Oh, I'm going to name it Professional Failure," and she said, "But Justin, you're not a failure." I'm like, mom, I know that's the point. Like, you know, we'll get to it. But all that to say, uh, I wrote the book Professional Failure to to kind of uncover the topic of failures. And I think it's so heavy on so many people, whether you're in leadership or you're an employee, you're self-employed, everyone battles with this. Uh, so I kind of I kind of got to the point where I was listening to a lot of podcasts and I was listening to success stories. And and while they are all good and well, uh, I got to the point where I just enjoyed hearing people talk through, here's my struggle. This is what I went through and this is what I learned. So the more I uncovered it, the more I looked back in my life. And then I started lining up and realizing all the stories of failures that I had in my life that I had never really, I guess, cast in my mind myself as a failure, but I learned from so many moments throughout my life. So that's been part of the fun. Uh, the fun of it is looking back all these stories of, man, I fell flat on my face here. I got fired here. I did this wrong, but I learned from them and hopefully did it right the next time, which led to successes down the road. Yeah. Well, and to be quite honest, right, we are interesting because of our failures. Exactly. Uh, the human mind, of course, is so good at forgetting like just how bad things are and, and not, and wanting to protect our egos from like, you know, okay, yes, I really did fail, but yeah, failure is, I mean, we're meant to do it as humans, right? That's how we grow and develop and learn. No one ever says, oh, I learned so much from that because I did everything right. That's <laughs> like, exactly. I fell on my face and I learned a lot from it. So I can really appreciate, uh, you know, the, the value that you see in sharing those kinds of stories because this, this, it, it makes up who we really are, right? We're a collection yeah. of our successes and failures. Absolutely. And I do think it humanizes kind of what you're alluding to. It's everyone has stories of failure and and for me, it's more fun to share like, you know, this is kind of the junk I went through. This is where I failed. And then someone else say, oh, yeah, well, let me let me top that. I did this, but I came back from it. So I do love that. And I find it fascinating that, you know, as kids, when we're growing up, we really don't, for the most part, unless it's taught to us, we don't fear failure. We try everything. We're always curious about things. And then for some reason, once we hit 
you know, teenager or adulthood, if it's peer pressure, whatever it is, we just get this fear of failure instilled in us. And we feel like we can't try anything that we could possibly fail at in a lot of different ways. So it's it, the more I've researched it and the more I've looked into it, just, it's fascinated me to that point, whatever we get to, I don't know when it is. Um, but that, that fear of failure that we develop. Yeah. And I think it's good to talk about it. Actually, just today in my executive management team meeting, we always start off with, you know, storytelling. We was how we connect, right? How we share, um, how we get to know each other was by through sharing experiences and sharing stories. And so the question that everybody had to answer was, what is something that you went through that caused you deep disappointment, but turned out to be a gift? And as people talk about overcoming that adversity, you know, it was amazing what kind of other stories it sparked in people and how you felt so much more empathy, like, oh, like, yeah, that really was disappointing, but look at what good came out of it. And so, I mean, do you see that like as, as a connection building tool when you actually like, you know, lean into like shared failures? <laughs> Absolutely. Cause I know for me, uh, especially just connecting with people, whether it's, you know, on my level or strangers or, you know, in my inner circle, it definitely has a powerful effect. Cause like you said, it triggers different memories for different people. And then they also share, but I think it's such a great leadership tool because really if you're, you know, a CEO or you're leading a team or you're a manager, it really, like I said earlier, humanizes you. And for some reason, some people can look up to management and just think they're perfect and they make all the right decisions all the time. And it just doesn't happen that way. So I do think that that sharing those stories of failure, well, first of all, I can bring a laugh. I've laughed really hard at, at some failures with people. Um, but then also it brings a lesson and it allows people to see, oh, um, you know, I, I could do that or I can do this or you're not this godlike person that makes every decision correctly every single time. So I do love it in that way and, and how it does, it brings people together. Yeah, I agree. All right. So tell us, like, tell us a couple of your failures that got you to where you are now, writing a book and running a big real estate company and living yeah. your best life. <laughs> Yeah, probably the biggest one and maybe the one that I, I thought about and was the hardest one for me at the time was was I ever, since the time I was two years old, I wanted to play baseball and always had this dream. I grew up in the Midwest and I had this dream to play professional baseball. I wound up having friends that played professionally. And so I was around it a lot. I played it a lot and I spent probably 18 years of my life, uh, you know, playing baseball. So I played in college. I went and played in Alaska in a summer baseball league and, uh, you know, played against some top tier talent and did really well. So I thought the stars were aligning and all of it was going to happen and wound up getting a tryout with the Chicago Cubs. And they said, we like you, we're going to draft you. And fast forward to draft day, uh, you know, I was by myself in my apartment watching the draft online and it just wound up not happening for some reason. I still don't know why. I mean, at this point you can look back, but in the moment, uh, it was really painful. It was really hurtful. And I actually just shut my laptop and I just cried for like five minutes because um, it was, you know, 18 years of dedication and skipping a lot of fun things and missing out on family events and, you know, working towards this. So at that moment, I think to myself, you know, am I, am I a failure? I've spent 18 years of my life doing this. And now basically the door was slammed shut for me. I couldn't find a good reason for it, but I feel like the, the whole thread or, theme of my life as I look back and I keep going is you just keep moving forward. And so I just, uh, like I said, I cried for about five minutes and then I, I was actually engaged and I met my fiance at a wedding and, uh, we kind of just walked through it together. We kind of had to pivot again because we had been planning on, on traveling and, 
you know, doing minor league baseball, which that is not an easy life. And, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people can, that can tell you that. Um, but from there, I really had to decide, okay, I'm not a failure. I failed at this one thing, even though it's a huge thing and it's a huge part of my life up to this point, uh, I'm not ultimately a failure. And, and I think what I learned out of it was really all those character traits and skills that I had built throughout baseball and relationships I had made throughout baseball, friends, coaches, they really all transferred to the next phase of my life. It wasn't like it was just all cut and then I couldn't use any of that. So that was one of the biggest learning lessons for me was no matter what you're doing, even if you feel like you're, you know, in some sort of thing that doesn't make sense or you're building skills that don't make, make sense. They do. They, they always transfer to the next phase. Yeah, totally agree. Um, that's super fascinating. And I think I can imagine putting myself in your shoes that, you know, the, the expectation had been set, right. That you were going to be drafted. And then with no communication that you weren't ahead of time, right. To find out on, on, you know, TV that you were, were not, um, I think that's a really important, um, aspect that leaders need to consider too, right. The expectations that you set with your team. And then when, for some reason you can't fulfill, um, a commitment that you made or an agreement or, you know, setting that expectation and something changes, how important it is to circle back and have that conversation about why, because I'm sure, right. Still all these years later, it's like, what, what happened? And as a leader, you can't leave your employees feeling like that. So what was that experience like for you? And what did you learn from it going forward? Yeah, it was really hard. I actually had to learn how to give people grace because uh, it was hard because I didn't understand it. I was angry at first because again, he had told me something. I had just taken him from by his word and uh, I didn't really think twice about it. So for me, I could have, if he would have just said, Hey, you're a maybe, I don't know. I could have chased other avenues. I should have gone to other tryouts. I just assumed it was going to happen. So looking back, uh, yeah, it was hurtful. I had to just forgive and move on, but I know kind of what you're saying about in corporate world has happened before where I've had superiors that have promised something when they come in or I get hired and say, this is where we, we want you to be in a year. And then you hit everything and then the year comes and it doesn't happen. And it really just demotivates me. It de demotivated me for sure. And I know it can demotivate others. So it is something that you really have to be careful with. And if you do give your word, just stick to it, even if it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And if you can't, then talk about why, right? Yeah, I know exactly. I'm committed to this and then here's, but here's what changed. And I respect you enough to have a face-to-face -face conversation with you, right? Rather than just yeah. avoid it and hope it goes away. It can be really damaging to relationships for sure. Absolutely. Ignoring it does not help anything at all, but you do, you have to communicate about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So then uh, that yeah, that's huge. So then what do you do with your life, right? You've spent all of your life thinking that you're going to be playing baseball and now you have to start over. So what, what was your next move? What did you do? Yeah. So I actually got a design degree in college because I had no idea what I, did, what I wanted to do. I just wanted to play baseball. So I got that just, just in the back of my mind, well, I'll build some skill and then I'll have it coming out of, of college. So I actually couldn't get a job. It was 08. I graduated in 08. Couldn't get a job anywhere. I got denied so many jobs and everyone kept saying, you need two years experience. And I got so frustrated, honestly, because I was just going around. I'm like, well, I just went to four years of college. Now I need two years. So I actually wound up uh, just the place I wanted to work. I just said, hey, look, I'll do a free internship. Give me three months. I'll work for you. And then we can evaluate from there. So I did. I worked for free about for about a month. And we were newly married. My wife was working at a coffee shop at the time. 
And um, we wound up, I, I accepted the job. And then after a month, they said, hey, uh, we kind of feel guilty that you're working here and you're doing a good job. So we're going to start paying you. So that worked out really well. And that's another lesson, the power of an unpaid internship. Uh, I think more kids should take advantage of that personally. Um, but from there, I wound up being there for a couple of years. They were a marketing agency. I actually kind of dipped my toe into freelancing for a little bit um, because, again, the, the the economic times weren't the greatest. So they said, hey, you might be on the chopping block. We don't know. So I left for a little bit. And then I wound up getting another job at a publishing company. And then finally, at the end of that, I got fired. And again, so I'm at the place again where I'm like four years into my career. Uh, and I just think, wow, am, am I yeah, just a big fat failure? Cause I can't even, I can't even hold a job. It's basically been two years and I've been almost fired twice. So from that point on my, my wife just, uh, we talked about it and we decided we we're going to open our own thing and we opened our own design and photography studio and really haven't looked back since. So what did you learn about yourself with, with, by almost getting fired twice? Because yes, it is like, okay, I'm a failure, but there's also those lessons to be learned in it. And, you know, I think everybody has probably been close to being fired or fired once in their, uh, once in their life, uh, maybe out more often. So, you know, before you went and started to do your own thing, like, what did you do? Like, how did you start to take that, that feedback, that kind of information and say, what am I going to do differently? Yeah. It really made me think about, you know, why was the reason I was getting fired? Like, what am I not doing right? Because obviously if I'm doing everything right, I probably wouldn't be fired. So I was doing some things wrong, which which I'm fine to admit that. So it did make me make me step back and and think through those things. And during this whole time too, we were I was kind of picking up freelance jobs on the side and doing things. So when we did get fired, it wasn't like we went from, you know, uh, a salary to nothing. We did have a little bit coming in that helped a little bit. Uh, but it also it required a, a choice, and we just made a choice to go all in at that point. And we, I mean, it's it, it really I can keep going with the story. It it it's kind of crazy how yeah, the timing right. worked out and all that. But yeah, it was yeah, it was a us. blessing. Tell us the yeah. story. Yeah. So uh, so I got fired. We wound up the same morning. I got fired. We drove and found an old dilapidated building in Springfield, Missouri. And we found the owner and we we said, hey, if we fix up the space, can you rent it to us really cheap? This is where we're at. So he agreed to it. So we wound up renting from him for a couple of years. And then he wound up coming to us and said, hey, I want to sell the building. We had no real estate at that point. We didn't really have family in real estate, but we started running numbers and looking into it. So we wound up buying our first building. And that is a whole nother story. We only had like you know, 15% of the down payment we needed. And we had a friend in the banking industry that helped us work a really creative solution to it. So we got in that way. And then from there, we we just kind of fell in love with real estate and we fell in love with short-term rentals and then just started collecting. And really all that was due to thinking about our future and our retirement. Because once we were self-employed, that was, you know, a successful point after a couple of years. And then we realized, hey, if we want to ever retire or take trips, we've got to figure out some way to make money while we're sleeping or not working. So that was that was where real estate came in. And to this day, we're still investing in real estate and we we still love it. Yeah, that's great. So the thread through all of that is re is resilience, right? I mean, figuring yeah. out how to, you know, bounce back or maybe not just bounce back, but bounce forward. So, you know, how do you view resiliency, you know, through the lens of your experience? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I do think of, I think it's Angela Duckworth that wrote the book Grit. Um, it is, it's just like a grit. And and what I found is that life is just hard. 
like for, for everyone, no one's alone in life being hard. And sometimes life just sucks. But I found if you just keep moving forward and keep walking, opportunities will come about. And I know it's really easy for, you know, if someone's having a really hard time in business or their personal life to just sit and be like, I'm done. I don't want to do anything else. But if I can give any sort of advice, you know, just keep moving forward and just keep seeing what opportunities open because some door will open that you would never expect to open and then other doors will close. So uh, it's almost my wife and I talk about this. Uh, it, it's in the Bible, but it talks about like the the piece that you know, covers or the, why am I messing it up? But the, the piece that surpasses all understanding. Um, and that's kind of what we look for when we're looking at opportunities or anything like that. If we can find something that we both have peace about, even if it doesn't make sense, even if the door or the opportunity doesn't make sense, if we both have peace about it, we'll pursue it. And if everything lines up, numbers wind up and everything seems like it's right, but we don't have a piece about it, we won't, we won't pursue it. And that's something we, we learned several years ago that we still are trying to hone to this day, but it's definitely, definitely helped when we're just walking forward. Yeah, that's great. Great. Uh, like North star, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, I hear you. I, I had a, a really rough time in my twenties and, um, was just living an unfulfilled life and got myself into trouble. And, uh, and I decided in, in 2006, like that was it. Like I have to go a different route because I'm not, going to live this, I don't, I know I'm not going to live up to the potential that I have, right. I was just going down this really bad path and it's scary when you are looking at making significant changes in your life. When you feel like a failure and you don't really know what to do to completely pivot. Like mine was packing up all my stuff. I was in Austin, Texas and coming back home to Durango with no job, with severe credit card debt, with substance abuse issues, but going like, I know that in my heart, this is where I'm supposed to be. And I don't know how it's going to work out, but I just have to trust that I'm following my heart. And that is where it's telling me, it was like, you need to go back home to your roots. And that's when, you know, that next door opened, but it's so hard, I think for people to get past that, right? Because there's so much fear of the unknown and failure, like pushes you into it, right? Like not being, not being drafted, right? Okay. Well, you have no choice, right? You have to pivot, but there's so many people who are just stuck in, mm -hmm. in crappy jobs, not living a fulfilling life, but they're too scared to take that leap. So like, what are your thoughts on like getting over that fear to, I don't know, to take that leap and, tr and trust in yourself and invest in yourself to put your life yeah. in a better direction? Yeah. I think that's a great question for me. I kind of go back to, um, maybe, people, if they're in a spot where they just don't feel like they're supposed to be, I know there's still a lot of opportunities because there were several times for the first, you know, five, six years out of college where I just thought, what am I supposed to be doing? Where am I? But there were so many relationships that formed at that point, And I think so many opportunities. And, and one thing that helped me was just to get outside myself. And it's still something I have to remind myself, but little things like, you know, finding someone at a coffee shop, and just asking a stranger, you know, how's your day going or like trying to make someone smile. It really, once you get outside yourself and you start looking like, oh, my life sucks or, you know, I'm in this position. I do think it helps get, helps get you out of that funk to be completely honest. Um, obviously you can read and do other things, but I, for me, the, the biggest help anytime I get in these funks and I still like, you know, have down days and I don't, every day is not happy for me. Um, just the days that I can maybe encourage someone else 
or again, get outside myself and have a conversation and encourage someone to some sort of action. That helps me tremendously and not just feel so sorrowful for my, my own self or self-pity. Yeah. The power of serving others, right? I think that people, until you really experience the, the benefit, um, for both, right. For you and the other person, I think it's hard for people to say like, um, I I have, you know, if I, if I give, if I put somebody else before me and my, I put myself, if I put somebody else first, um, then that means I'm somehow going to lose out or not be as successful. And it's so opposite. And so I love that you share that experience because, when you do feel awful about yourself or having a bad day, when you say, I'm just going to be really kind and help somebody else, you feel so much better. And it's amazing how that, I don't know, just continues to pay itself forward as, as, as you move through your bad day and, you know, into the next step of your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me how all of these experiences have, have shaped your view on leadership. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for leadership, and this is one thing I always go back to, it's kind of an analogy, but I forget where I heard this from, uh, but it's it's kind of the story of uh, of the wolf. And I don't know how familiar you are, you are with you know how a wolf leads its pack, but most of the time a wolf leads from the back, but if, if it needs to, it'll lead from the front as well. So for me, if I'm just thinking about, you know, you hear the lone wolf all the time. And I think that's maybe just, I don't know if that's true completely. And I know there are people lone wolves, but if I think of how a wolf leads a lot of time, a lot of the times the leader of a pack is going to be behind. They're going to be trying to encourage the others, even if they don't get the credit. Uh, So for me, even have a, a discussion the other day, like, you know, if you have an idea and you can somehow encourage someone else to have an idea themselves. Well, instead of taking all the credit for it, just say, Hey, that's, that's a great idea. That to me, that's leading from the back. If you can encourage your team and everyone around you to, to see maybe when you walk in a room, think, man, I have good ideas or, or I really like light up when you come into the room, because for some reason I'm, you know, I feel extra encouragement where I have more ideas flowing to me. That's the place of leadership. And again, I just, I guess I go back to, to the wolf. And if you can lead from behind, sometimes, you know, you do need to lead from the front and you need to lead the way and you need to take the brunt of some bad things potentially. But for the most part, I'd say if you can lead from the back, give others credit and not try and lift yourself up, I would say nine times out of 10, it it will do, do you a lot of good. So tell me about the book, like where did the book come from and, and, and what's it all about? What can we learn when we read it? Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's, there's three, three things of the book. So basically where, where it came from, I just started writing, I actually wrote an an article on infertility and that's a whole nother rabbit trail. Uh, My wife and I've been going that for over a decade. And so basically I wrote an article for a magazine about that. And then I realized how therapeutic writing was for me at least. And then I kept writing. I joined a writer's group and I just had a lot of other, you know, inspiring older men that were writing and just encouraging me to write. So I kept writing and it took probably six or seven months. And I just set these morning goals of, I want, you know, three to 400 words a morning. And I kept writing and I had an outline and it just formed from there. So honestly, I had never written a book before. I had never really been around an author before. So it was all a new experience and there were plenty of things that I, I messed up on. Um, but as far as the book itself, it's, it's, again, it's one of those things. I don't necessarily think it's all about me, even though I share some personal stories, I just want someone to pick it up and read through it and say, you know what, I was, you know, scared to do this, but, but I'm not anymore. And, and here's why. 
And I think maybe the the three biggest things for for the book itself, if you can remember anything, are are be curious, and that can be you know you can be curious about people. That allows you to be more intentional with people and listen more. Um, and then the other thing is take action. Number two, and then because again, really the worst thing you can do is just sit and just not take action. But if you can take action, more opportunities will open up. And I talk about that a lot in the book. And then the final thing is is just to give grace. And I think most importantly is to give yourself grace because we're all going to mess up. And if you can give yourself grace, you can pass that grace along to others as well, which you also highly need to give others grace as well, because no one's perfect. We all mess up no matter how big or small we are. We're constantly doing imperfect human things. So uh, just just the idea of giving everyone grace is pretty big in the book as well. Yeah. Um, that's such a, a, a great, you know, great way to end it because like, at least for me, I give others far more grace than I give myself. And I was actually yeah. just doing, um, I do a lot of energy work and I was just working with the gal who, um, the practitioner who I work with and, and <clears throat> I told her, I said, I feel like I'm finally like making this breakthrough of truly being so much kinder to myself and, and how, uplifting and powerful that is when it's not like every single thing that I don't like about myself. I'm like, ugh, ugh, ugh. and so I think that giving yourself grace is such an important thing because if you're like me, it's so much easier to give it to other people than it is to give it to yourself. And yeah. that's such a, a lifelong journey. And I think as we get older, you know, we mature and we realize like, okay, it's not that big of a deal. And that kind of stuff doesn't really matter. Like you thought it was, but man, you can waste a lot of time and have a lot of negative self-talk and really screw up your self-esteem by not giving yourself enough grace. Absolutely. And if I can add one more thing too, I can give you an example again of how it's like a constant a constant battle for me. It's not like I'm good at all the time. I try and be like maybe 80% 80 of the time really good at this. But last night, I don't know if you play any pickleball, but my wife played pickle, pickleball all the time. And so we were playing last night and I was just in a bad mood for some reason and we were losing and I'd say probably 10 different times I missed a shot. I'm just like, you idiot. And, and it's not good. Like it, it almost can, can hurt your feelings, but it's just a bad habit. And it's something I still struggle with. I, I try and I try and I try, but the other thing I've learned that when I'm really hard on myself, especially in those moments where I have a partner, it does rub off on them and you can see that. And so it is really important. And that's why I say, if you can give yourself grace, it will be spread to others as well. And they'll sense that. Um, so yeah, it's just, just an example of, again, I'm still not perfect, even though it's in the book, even though I wrote about it, it's still something I'd struggle with weekly, if not daily. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your vulnerability because I think all of us, right. I mean, it's part of the human experience is to be hard on yourself. And especially yeah. I can imagine, right. I mean, the pressure of, of thinking that you're going to go into professional athletics. Like I'm not a professional athlete, but I'm a good athlete. And, you know, it has been some of the most joyous, fulfilling, amazing aspects of my life. And also some of the hardest, most destructive, you know, where I'm just completely hard on myself and, and, and break myself down. Right. And what I, what I've learned as I've gotten older is that when you get into that spot, that's when you like, you know, you start to just like tense up and right. You never, I played softball. So I get, um, what happens when you get really tense and really hard on yourself and yep. you all of a sudden making errors and things aren't flowing. And so it just does have such a negative thing. But when you are that like high achiever, 
um, like you are working your way to, you know, professional athletics, you know, I'm a hyper achiever, um, you know, certainly in business, I think it just adds like this extra intensity of like, I'm supposed to be that good. Yeah. And I'm not right now. And um, it can be in- intense and incredibly negative and dark. Absolutely. Yeah. So you know all about it because softball and baseball are very similar in that way. So I, I feel like I learned to navigate failures through baseball because obviously you're getting out a lot more than you're getting a hit. So and and I know you went yeah. through the same stuff. So I have an interesting story about that. I played I played fast pitch in college. And it was my fresh freshman year. Yeah, it was my freshman year. And it was, I grew up in Colorado, was playing in Colorado. It was a really cloudy day, cold. And I was in center field and, um, and I lost the ball in the clouds and it came and it hit my pinky finger. And you can see like how it like just snapped my finger in half. And I had to learn how to throw a ball with a softball. You know, it's much bigger than a baseball. Like you use your pinky and so I will tell you that messed with me. And even now playing slow pitch softball, I sometimes like will get this like flashback fear of like having to learn how to throw again and, um, and literally being wild all over the place while I was figuring it out. And the next thing I know, like I throw it like straight into the ground. Right. And, uh, and it is crazy what that mental thing does when you have an injury like that and you have to come back and you have to relearn something because it, 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 it ripped off the ligament there was nerve damage. Like all of this is really messed up. So there was a big learning curve to figure it out again. It still affects me today. It actually like diminishes my enjoyment in playing softball because I still have like this whole buildup of what it took to relearn and the failure that I felt from that. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And like you said, it's not only the physical, like trusting yourself physically, but then mentally once you, it's, it's, it's really, really difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It wasn't the physical part. Like once I got the physical, it was all mental, Yeah, (laughs) you know, I think it's Yogi Berra that says, you know, baseball is, is 90% mental and the other half is physical or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or maybe it's wrong. I always say it wrong, but again, whatever. I, I just call myself a professional failure. So it all works. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. So uh, now tell us about the podcast. You've got a podcast yeah. called the professional failure too. So well, why did you start that? And what is it all about? Yeah, that's, yeah, that was started. Um, well, first of all, starting out, I knew I was going to be terrible and that was part of the fun of it. And I kind of told people like, Hey, I'm going to be really bad at first. If you will come on and, and, you know, uh, work through it with me, that would be great. So I've had a lot of gracious hosts, but the, basically the genesis of it was I wanted to bring people on and have them share their stories of failure. So again, it just connects. And I've had a lot of really fun feedback from listeners who said, Hey, this, this story really resonated with me. I remember this, or I loved your story. So what I'm trying to do is share stories of my own failures in the introductions. And then as we get to the guests pull out as best I can, their stories and, and it's been, it's been really fun so far. There's, there's business and personal failure stories and, and all the lessons in between. So it's, it's been a good time. That's great. And it's on all the major podcast platforms. Yep, it is. Oh, so yeah, you awesome. can find it, find it anywhere. Great. Okay. Well, I'll include it all in my show notes. Okay. So okay. two final questions before we wrap up. So the name of this podcast is reflect forward. What does reflect forward mean to you? I love that. Um, one of the questions on on my podcast is, you know, what do you look forward to telling yourself five years from now? So I think of that when you say that, reflecting forward. Um, I just I want to reflect forward and 
think of maybe all the people that I've, I've helped or I've encouraged and they maybe have more time freedom or more freedom for their family, or they just, they're just living a more content life. That's what I look forward to. I don't have monetary goals or anything like, like that necessarily. I just, I want to throw a party in five years and invite a thousand different people to the party and all have them have different stories of, you know, this is how this encouragement helped me. This is where I am now. I was scared to take this leap and I did it. Uh, So if I'm reflecting forward, that's what I'd imagine. Oh, I love that. That's such a great answer. Thank you. All right. And then through the lens of being a professional failure, what's the best piece of advice you can give leaders who are looking to be the very best at what they do? Yeah, the best, honestly, and we kind of already talked about, I would just say, give grace, give grace to yourself. It'll go so far. And I know it's not easy and I know you will constantly be working on it, but if you can give yourself grace in so many different areas, you will allow yourself to try and fail and learn. Yeah, that's great. Perfect advice. All right. So how can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at Justin C. Skinner, or you can go to the website, www.professional-failure.com. Awesome. And I'll include all that in the show notes too. Well, Justin, um, it has been a true pleasure to have you on the show today. Congratulations on your book and your podcast. Um, I can't wait to, uh, to, to read it. I've already listened to a couple of your podcasts, so, uh, it's a lot of fun, really great job. So thanks for sharing, you know, your, your own failures and for helping bring those stories out in other people. I do believe it's very powerful. Well, thanks, Carrie. And thanks for having me. This has been really fun. I've enjoyed the conversation and I look forward to hearing more of your podcast as well. Thanks. All right. Hang tight, everybody. I'll be right back. Okay, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, Be sure to check out Justin's book. And I look forward to hosting you on next week's episode of Reflect Forward. It will be an advice from a CEO episode. And if you like this podcast, please go on iTunes or whatever podcast uh, platform you listen to, write a review, rate it, share it with a friend. I always appreciate it. It helps with the algorithms. Thanks so much. Have a great day. See you next week.